Welcome to Honest Money, your best guide to financial freedom. I'm Warren Ingram, the author of a few best-selling books, and I'm also an award-winning financial planner, and I've helped thousands of people on their journey to financial freedom. I'm not here to tell you what to do, but I am here to share my experience and the best ideas that I've learned, and I hope these ideas help you on your journey to financial freedom. Welcome to a, a slightly different episode of, uh, of Honest Money today. We're, uh, we're, we're talking to Lilani Bezadnot, who is the Chief Executive of the Financial Planning Institute of Southern Africa. Welcome, Lilani. Thank you very much, Warren. How are you doing? All, all good, thank you. Um, it's uh, great to have you on the show. We're, um, we, we, we invited you because we had one of our listeners ask us uh, a, a question which is very dear to my heart and I know it's dear to yours as well, which is uh, they, they want to know a bit more about becoming a financial planner uh, and, and actually what, what's the path that they should follow and, and then also around uh, you know, becoming a certified financial planner. So, so I thought it's a, a really opportune time to to bring you on because I mean you're you're in charge of the of the of the organization that represents the the whole certified financial planner uh, let's say um, designation if you want in South Africa and, and there's a whole lot involved in that and so so I thought uh, who better to speak to than than you about this and 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 so thanks so much for joining. It's only a pleasure. Thank you so much, Warren. And uh, it is a, a topic that's very close to my heart around the financial planning profession. And a lot of times we have people that get confused between the word industry and profession. Yes, the profession sits within the financial services sector, but it is a very young profession um, that's been around for about 50 years. For those that are interested and really need some, some nice bedtime reading, there's a report and in actual fact, uh, a study that I've done together with the South African Qualifications Authority around the data that we have in the National Learner Database, which they call NLRD. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to just stay away from too much technical jargon, but if you look at that database, that is the database that they make use to have a look at all the professionals in South Africa, not just financial planners. And that study actually shows the pathway in becoming a certified financial planner professional of the Financial Planning Institute, but also looking at whether there's maybe a shorter pathway. And the long of the short is there is not a shorter pathway. You have to go through the steps of becoming a certified financial planner. So to the listener, um, thank you so much for your question. I'm not sure what age you are, so I'm going to take it all the way back to somebody who's maybe in grade 11 this year. Um, and you're sitting in your room and you're going like, what am I going to be? You know, when I'm all grown up, you're already in grade 11, you may be 17 years old. And I remember being 17 years old. Um, and I listened to, I think it's the sunscreen song the other day. They say that they know people that's 22 and people that's 40 years old don't know where they want to be. Um, good song to listen to, by the way, the sunscreen song. Um, but Imagine you're 17 year old today, you're sitting in front of your PC, um, you're not listening to mom and dad anywhere at that age. Um, I didn't. Um, so what are you going to be? So let's look at a certified financial plan and what is your journey and what is the attribute that you may maybe need to have? Well, it is advisable that you have strong mathematical skills, whether it was accounting or maths, because when you do financial planning, a big portion, as you know yourself, um, Warren, has got to do with analyzing the information, qualitative, quantitative information, and coming up with a brilliant financial plan for your client. You need to also have very good listening skills. And when I say listening skills, it's not just listening with your ears, it's listening with your heart and it's listening with your eyes. Because a lot of times, <clears throat> if you ask me, Lilani, how are you doing? And I go, I'm fine. 
You know, my body language tells you I'm not fine. And when you speak to your clients and they say, no, I don't have any, any financial problems. And you, you can easily pick up the discussion and the feeling in the room, especially when you have a spouse in the room as well. So listening skills, but not just listening with your ears, all your sensories kicks in. Um, and then I did say your yeah, listening skills, math skills, and you must have a passion to work with people. Because being a financial planner, you are solving people's problems. They come to you with these massive problems and they say, help me solve the problem. So problem solving skills is also very strong, but I cannot emphasize enough to say that you need to have some form of, of people skills. You have to want to work with people because this is all about the people's business. So that is just some of the attributes that you need to have. Now that is the, let's talk about the pathway. So now you have to go study. So if you look at becoming a financial planner, I'm going to keep it short. Um, we pretty much look at the four E's. So can I quickly unpack the four E's? Let's yes, start please. with the first E. Yeah, let's start with the very first E. <clears throat> and with this, I'm not referring to the E myth. Um, I'm referring to the four E's that you need to complete because before you become a financial planner. <clears throat> so the very first one is education. So what education do you need to obtain? Well, your journey can start in various ways. Mine started not being in the industry, not just finishing matric, but as a working um, married mother. So you then start via your various NQF levels. But let's say we still take the 17-year-old as an example here. So you have to enroll for some form of a BCom, whether it's BCom in finance, BCom in financial planning. And we have 26 universities across South Africa that has qualifications like that. Because the qualification that you need for a sort of financial planner sits on an NQF level eight. Now, the other day I drew this exact picture for my son, Matric. Um, if we look at it, it's on an NQF four. Now, you can think for yourself, you need to get to an NQF eight. So how do you get there? Your first year of your BCom sits on a five. Your second year sits on a six. Your third year sits on a seven. So many times you have people say, why is the exams in NQF seven so much more difficult than five? Well, think about it in matric. Are you going to write in grade 12 an exam you wrote when you were in grade eight? No, <laughs> it yeah. gets complex. So at five, six, seven, you get your BCom. Then you enroll for what we call the postgraduate diploma in financial planning. Now, mine is behind me. There you can see it. It's your postgraduate diploma in financial planning, but you can always also go for the BCom in financial planning. We have various universities, UJ in Johannesburg, um, University of Johannesburg. We have Stellenbosch. We have um, Park Education. We have University of Free State, um, University of KwaZulu-Natal, and the University of Nelson Mandela Metropolitan. So those are the universities that you can go and study. Um, so that is the education component. Um, I'm going to carry on to the next component then. Um, you then need to have some form of experience. So now you have all this academic knowledge that you have. So your education journey is going to take four years, assuming that you pass all your subjects and you're a fantastic model student and you obtain everything that you have within four years. But within those four years, nothing stops you to so long try and obtain some of the experience that you need by working um, at a financial services provider. Um, and you need three years of experience. 
So it could be three years of experience under supervision of somebody who's maybe already a qualified uh, financial services, um, a CFP professional in the financial services industry, or you can complete FBI has an official mentorship program. All those resources are available on our website, www.fpi.co.za, and we call it Mentoring the Professional of Tomorrow. It's quite a nice guideline if you want to see what a financial planner does, by the way. So that's the experience requirement, and nothing stops you from studying, maybe part-time, um, and then working somewhere, obtaining the three years of experience that you have. We have a fully developed program, like I said. Then it's that exam that everybody talks about. You know, being a profession, because you're now a professional like a chartered accountant, and we need to understand you operate on that level when you are a certified financial planner, which is a designation that is globally available. You then wrote, you didn't write what is commonly known as your board exam. Now, you write board exams when you become a chartered accountant, um, any other profession. There's always that bar exam or some exam that you need to write. We have the exact same. Now, where some students sometimes make a mistake, Warren, is they say, okay, no worries. I've done the exact same exam at the university. Let me just come and write the professional body's exam. It is not the same exam. Um, the professional body, which is the Financial Planning Institute's exam, focuses not just on the academic component that you've completed. It actually goes in more to see, can you apply your knowledge? So we give you a real problem um, that a client has, and we say, now you take your knowledge. I remember, you know, you have students coming with suitcases and suitcases full of books. If you don't have the knowledge in here already and you go write the exam and you don't have the experience, you're going to battle with that exam. But now that's why it's advisable whilst you're studying to try and obtain the experience as well. So that was the third E, which is your exam. Now let's talk about the fourth E. The fourth E is all about ethics. So now whether you've obtained the qualification, you've obtained the experience and you've written the exam, but you fail ethics, you fail all four. Because if you look at our profession and one of the um, principles of any profession is there is a code of ethics in place. So by the time that we look at you and we see, but hold on, there's actually a fraud case against you or there's something you've stolen people's money. You yourself can't work with money. You failed the ethics component. The other three is not going to help you because you will then not become a member of any professional body, quite frankly. So that is the four E's that we have. And then there's a fifth one that is hanging here. Um, and that is once you are a member of the FPI, that is enforcement. So once you are a certified financial planner, like you know, you and I both have to, on an annual basis, complete our ethics declaration to reaffirm and reconfirm that I haven't stolen people's money. I'm not under investigation by the ombudsman or any other regulatory body. I'm not in trouble, but I also then have to confirm that I've completed my own continuous professional development because a certified financial planner who's not up to date with what's happening today's world cannot help his or her client. So that is in a very short nutshell from the 17-year-old, your journey that you're going to have for the next four years once you've obtained and completed your grade 12 or equivalent. Um, in starting the BCom route. There is other routes, um, but I'll, I'll maybe take a question or something from you. I want to talk about challenge status as well, if you don't mind. So, yeah, I think let, let's summarize for, for someone out there is, uh, you, you know, um, from, from my perspective, certainly not, uh, not, not speaking on behalf of, of, of the Financial Planning Institute, there's a huge difference between 
someone who meets the minimum standard, uh, you know, set by government basically to to go out there and call themselves an advisor. Uh, and and I think you know that standard. Uh, I understand why it's relatively low, but but I think it's just far too low uh, to, to actually, you know, confidently be able to say that people who meet the lowest standards in in the country will uh, will will be able to have the experience, the knowledge, the the background to to advise clients properly. So when you're talking to a, a financial planner, um, you know you know that those three letters after their name CFP are are really important. Uh, and and now you understand why. If you're if you know if you're listening to to Lalani, it's it's really about understanding that it's not just that uh, they're paying some money to be part of something. Uh, um, you know what what a CFP already tells you is that that they've studied a heavy amount of information already. They've got a very strong academic background in in the industry. But uh, allied to that is that they they already have a, a level of experience. Uh, you know that that's implicit in, in in getting those those three letters after your after your name when you when you become a CFP. And, and then I think you know very important to me is the the ethical thing. You know it's it's uh, the the whole financial services industry always has question marks. You know and some of them well deserved around ethical practices. And so it's impossible for me to sit in front of somebody for the first time and say, no, no, you can just trust me. I'm an honest person uh, because, you know, the dishonest people say that all the time. And, and so having some kind of objective measure where you can say, well, we, I know that if that person has that designation and it's something you can check, you can go to the FBI's website and actually search the person. Uh, and and if they if they are a current member that tells you that they're meeting the education the ongoing education standards it also tells you that that they they're not a crook uh, because if they if they if they're convicted of something that if they're debarred from practicing they can't be uh, a current uh, a certified financial planner professional so it's an important thing to to note having said all of that uh, like with any profession. It doesn't give you a guarantee that you're dealing with someone who is absolutely perfect. I'll always say to you, go in with your eyes wide open, ask your questions, make sure that you've eyeballed the person, uh, you know, even if it's on a Zoom uh, call, make sure you've asked the, the, the tough questions about how they get paid, all of those things. But, but what you already know is that they've met a minimum standard, which is critical. Uh, and, and so I think, uh, um, you know, and for someone who, who's considering this as a profession, uh, you know, one of my mentors told me when I was starting that it's 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 the best job in the world. Uh, and you know, more than twenty years later, I think he was probably right. Uh, um, it it uh, the only better job I can think of than this is if you get paid to go and review uh, island holidays around the world. And, and I don't know many people that make that uh, as a living. But but you know, if you want to serve people, if you want to help people, if you want to make their lives better in a material way. Uh, you, you know, the, the, this is a heck of a profession uh, to, to go into, and and you, you know, I think we we need to talk about money. You know, people always um, you know kind of shy away from from being paid to do this. And, I, and and what I would say is, once you've got your experience, once you've got the 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 kind of industry knowledge, and you've built up a, a level of reputation in the industry as a, as a good practitioner, this is a great way to make a living. Uh, it, it's certainly not that you have to, you know, say that I want to serve people and I'm, I'm, I'm never going to be financially free myself. Uh, I mean, it's one of the key criteria is I think that um, if you're in this industry, you need to be good with your own money uh, and, and you need to live the example. And so that, you know, that's a key point here. We're certainly not saying that, that you know, the, the, this is only for people who would otherwise be, um, you know, priests and, and, and the like that, that live a life of poverty. That's not the case. You can have a wonderful life. You can support families. 
uh, and you can make a huge difference to to people's lives. So, so I think it's a a, a key point, uh, you know, when going into this. So, someone asking me, uh, I, I, you know, is this something that they should do as a career? I always say yes, but I take uh, Lilani's point uh, to heart that uh, over and above the education standards, it's critical that you've got uh, that, that caring gene, that, that you've got that level of of um, willingness and and a desire to serve and to help people. If you're in it for yourself or you love spreadsheets or you love financial models and you don't really like people, uh, rather go and do something else. You know, go become an accountant or something. Uh, but but you, you have to love people uh, to, to do this job well. So I, I think, Lelani, I'd love to jump onto your challenger, uh, your, your, your next point. I think it's a, it's a key one. Yeah, it's a key one. I just want to mention something quickly that, that you mentioned in terms of um, – our code of ethics, and I do want to mention this. So you do, we do have rotten apples every now and then, but FPI has a very strict code of ethics. But on top of that, a disciplinary process. So when we don't like bad apples, um, and I'll leave you with one case: FPI went all the way to the Supreme Court of Appeal, which is one of the highest courts in South Africa, and we won our case. The significance of the Supreme Court of Appeal case is it became case law. And if you look at the case law, that is the Kutsia case versus FPI. And if you look at that case, it confirms that a professional body like FPI can on peer-to-peer -peer review um, hold each other accountable. So the beauty about being a professional belonging to a professional body, it's all about peer review. And it's about your peers saying, but that's not right. That's not the way you should behave. And this is what happened. And we won our case all the way to the Supreme Court of Appeal. And I remember the judge, you know, the moment that you're in a court and the judge folds his arms and he looks at you, you're in trouble. He, he folds his arms and he looked at her, he said, Mrs. Kutsia, why would you want to be a member of a professional body that doesn't want you? Um, so have a look at that case. I think it's a magnificent case. Now let's talk about the challenge status exam. Now in South Africa, and because FBI is a, is a recognized professional body um, recognized by SACWA, we need to comply with what they call recognition of prior learning. And that is how we professional bodies are not gatekeepers. So we look at ways to see how can we bring somebody else into the profession who maybe, and, and I'm not picking on the chartered accountants, but it's an easy example to use quickly. So let's say you have another designation at another professional body. We have about 104 in South Africa. And it's a, it, it's a, it's a, profession that's closely related to financial planning, one can say, all right, so you're chartered accountant. Let's look at that. You are in good standing. We will always check whether you are in good standing with that professional body. So we will ask Saika, is this person in good standing, um, which is those requirements you already spoke about. And then we look at your experience. It's not just three years of experience. We look at five years of relevant financial planning experience. Then we say you've got five years, not just three years. Um, and we have on our website all the different designations we look at as well. So your experience requirement is a little bit more. And then we say, all right, you want a challenge to tell us you're just as good as somebody who completed a postgraduate diploma in financial planning or a BCom in financial planning. You then come and sit for the exact same exam. Now, two outcomes normally is either they, um, the, the individuals coming through that route, normally fantastic, they score in the 80s, 90s, or they 2030s because they're underestimated that you don't have in the middle. Are they very good or fall out completely because you didn't really understand financial planning? Now, that is a recognition of prior learning, um, a road that we have for somebody who wants to become a certified financial planner. 
but without having to complete another qualification on an NQF8 level now. So we do map the learning components that you have already to what financial planning is all about, plus experience. And normally through a recognition of prior learning route, there must be an exam with a, not an exam, an assessment, whether it is a portfolio of evidence or an exam, and we chose the exam route. And if you pass that exam, you need to complete the fourth E as well, which is ethics, and you then can become a certified financial planner through the recognition of prior learning route as well. So I just wanted to, to mention that there's not a lot of people that's aware of that, but you can do that, and that's not an easy exam. You write the exact same exam. <laughs> Uh, I must say, um, you know, having done it myself many years ago and, and having not all, all my financial planning staff uh, write, write the same exam, I can confirm it's not easy. Uh, no. Everyone sweats for it and, and they do work hard for it. And, and so I think, uh, you know, to, to kind of just give a, a brief summary to, to someone considering this as an industry or as a profession for themselves, uh, certainly, you know, take, it takes some hard work and, and people that ask me, you know, yeah. should they do it, I would Maybe say... You know, it is hard work, but at the same time, enormously rewarding. And, and you know, if there's a route to follow that, that I would prefer, I, I would say to people, you know, get going in the industry as fast as possible, you know, and, and for example, you know, take an administration job and, and start, you know, from the, from the really kind of bottom of the ground, uh, ground yeah. floor and start working your way up. And, and while you're working, do the study. Uh, and, yeah. and, and, and certainly, I think that uh, the work that you do makes much more sense while you're studying because you understand the concepts better. And also the studying becomes easier because you understand the work because you're doing it every day. And so by the time you've done the academics and you've uh, you know, written all the board exams, you've also got the experience. Um, and, and that means that, you know, for people that have limited means financially, that yeah. you, you have a good way of supporting yourself. You know, I don't think it's necessary, for example, to, to kind of do all the studying, you know, and take all the student loans without doing work as well. I, I think to do both makes all the sense. So, mm -hmm. so certainly people who are, you know, financially constrained, there, there is a path for you as well. It, it yeah. takes longer, that, that's all. But, but, but that doesn't mean that you don't, uh, you, you know, you don't get yourself on the right path as early as possible. And then uh, no. the other big comment here is just when you see someone's title, you know, if they, they give you their business card or they send you their email, and, and again, this is my, my point, Delani, I'm not going to ask you to comment on it. Uh, no ignore their title. Uh, ignore what it says. If they say financial planner or financial advisor or, or whatever the deal is, the, the, the critical thing is what's the qualification? You know, are, are you a certified financial planner? That's the thing you're looking for. The, the titles, unfortunately, in South Africa are not regulated. Uh, so, you know, pretty much anyone can call themselves almost anything um, with, with a real minimum level of qualification. So the fact uh, that, that they work for a big company with a big brand or they work for a tiny company with no brand, all of those things are, are, are relevant. I'm not saying they're irrelevant, but, but the critical point is the person that you're dealing with. What, do, do they have the CFP designation? That's the, that's the starting point. Uh, and and then from there you know make your your informed decision thereafter, and and for people who are in the industry that are listening to this saying is it really worth it? Well, uh, I mean I, I'm obviously biased. I think it is. Uh, mm -hmm. you, you know I was a financial planner um, long before I became a, a, a CFP professional, and certainly it was a game changer for me. So so I think I can recommend it. So Lelani, I've got one more uh, tough question for you, uh, which is one I love to ask all my all, all my guests. Uh, if if you were to to meet your twenty one year old self now, uh, and and you could with with the benefit of your experience that you've had to date, what would be the one thing you would want to to tell yourself or teach yourself at at that age? 
Sure, there's a lot, but I'm going to hone it down to one lesson maybe. Um, and that would be live and let live. In other words, allow other people to have their fun, but have your fun as well. And don't take yourself so seriously because nobody else does. <laughs> have fun. <laughs> have fun. <laughs> That's maybe the one thing I'll teach the younger, younger self because I was very, uh, you know, everything in life for me at that stage was cast in stone. Nothing had to change because then I'm, mortified for the day if you told me you're meeting me at 10 and you're 10 minutes late I, my whole day is upside down you know what it's okay live and let live a breeze have fun smell the flowers have fun okay yep i think it's a powerful life lesson uh Lilani, thank you so much for joining us it's been a pleasure having you and uh and i'm, I'm hoping that our, our listeners will get great value out yes. of this me too warren thank you thank you for listening to honest money if you have any questions, you're welcome to reach out to me on Twitter. My handle is at Warren Ingram. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Chat soon.